Resilient Disciples podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. Welcome to season two of this podcast. If you are just checking us out for the first time, I want to share a special welcome to you. And if you've been with us since the beginning, thank you for coming back. We are all living in a new world, a world that has been changed by COVID-19. Organizations and people at every level in every industry around the globe have had to figure out how to continue to operate in this new world and the people of Awana are no exception. But what makes Awana unique is that even though so much has changed, our mission remains the same. We are as committed today to making Resilient Disciples as we were when we first were founded 70 years ago. And we are partnering with you in the mission to reach kids around the globe with the gospel, no matter what your context looks like right now. And with that mission in mind, I wanted to share with you a conversation I had with Valerie Bell, the CEO of Awana. She shared with me what she views to be the most important question that has come out of this pandemic and how Awana is trying to answer that question. Thank you for listening. Here is Valerie Bell back on the Resilient Disciples podcast. We didn't know how different this was going to be and how it would impact us in so many different ways. It's impacted everything. COVID has changed almost everything. And so, uh, you know, for Awana, we closed down our building, our headquarters, and we learned uh, it brought some gifts. We learned we were really good at working at a distance, that that we could do that. Right. we we found out how to uh, still keep the balls rolling in the ministry. But what we would really be hit by and significantly was in the fall when our churches had to decide whether to open or not. Um, many of them would not, and that would significantly uh, impact us and continues to. So we have major challenges right now. So uh, when you ask me how I am and how Awana is. It's very hard for me to separate it right yeah, now. Yeah, I can we're imagine. We're both experiencing some major challenges. I am to my leadership and Awana <laughs> is to its 70 year existence. All of a right. sudden COVID is just a, uh, you know, major threat right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's helpful for people to understand COVID is this universal experience that, like you said, has changed everything for people. And the fact that it's also changed something that is a, as sturdy and as faithful and um, as sound as Awana is over the course of 70 years, I think it's important for people to hear. But I also know that God is still on the move and that you are someone who's uniquely positioned. One of my favorite conversations with you last time was you had written sort of this rallying cry to make this generation of kids the greatest generation of disciples ever. And I think it fits really well into the conversation about resilient because when you wrote that, you didn't know just how resilient this generation of kids was going to have to become. Mm. You know, Ross, it's really interesting. I'm going to share my prayer life here. Great. When we have gone to God for answers to my immediate problems, 
Mm. My immediate need for financing for this ministry and for wisdom to make the right choices. And I go to God with that. He has only come back to me with one phrase. And it's not about the immediate. It's Mm. about the future. And it's raise up the greatest generation of disciples. I love that. It's like he's saying... (laughs) Don't get all bent out of shape from COVID. <laughs> I have something a lot more important for you to be thinking about these days. Yeah. Don't get put off course. Don't get discouraged. Don't give in. Don't think that this is overwhelming because nobody's ever gone through it before. I am God. Amen. And it is not a wanna that is the rock of Gibraltar, even though a lot of people look at it like that. It is God. And he will do what he will do. And we will follow. And we will try to uh, figure out the creative pathway through this challenge. Uh, I believe that we're going to have a much more flexible Awana. We're going to have a much more missional Awana. I hope we come out of this so in love with kids that we are going to be the bright spot in this whole COVID experience. Amen. That's so great. So, this period of COVID has also been this period of just, like you're saying, crying out for, with questions about the immediate and crying out for answers about the immediate. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a period where more has felt uncertain. Hmm. When you think about the questions that have been asked, do you feel like you've started to get clarity on any of those answers or What questions do you feel like are still being asked even six months later? Well, I think one of the things, and we're seeing it with the fires in California, is that this crisis of losing everything actually raises to the surface what is essential. What they are putting in their cars, the family pictures, the uh, medical records, these uh, the pets, these kinds of things, (laughs) (laughs) are the essential things. They are the essential things, and that's what crisis does. And so for us at Awana, it is raising to the top what is essential. What is essential? We're working at a distance now. We're going maybe our building isn't essential. As hard as that is to let go of, Mm -hmm. to realize that, God, when I go to my knees, you don't say, you know, keep that building, whatever. You say, you're not in the keeping the building business, Valerie, or ministry. You're in the making resilient disciples ministry, so keep doing that. I think another thing is that all of the world's... um, is kind of in the same boat. So I I look at this and I see that all around the world, circling the world, befuddling the whole world, was this one question that nobody seemed to be able to answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't see any government be able to answer it, including our White House, and that's not a political statement because, you know, I'm going to go down this list and just show you nobody could answer it. Families couldn't answer it. Schools couldn't answer it. You know, from the highest university to the sweetest little Montessori school in the neighborhood, nobody had the answer to this. Churches didn't have the answer to it. And this question was, what do we do about the kids? And it became the primary essential question of this globe. And I'll tell you, the way it was answered, the way it's been answered has shown a lot about where we are as a 
nation, as a church, as a globe. And so um, I was looking on Facebook and one of my friends posted posted this recently. I'm so surprised she said that no Christian leader has emerged to call us to prayer against COVID. COVID is killing us. It's killing our incomes. It's killing our jobs. It's killing our schools. It's killing our nation. Who will stand up and lead our nation in prayer? Mm. You know, Ross, I didn't hear that as a criticism of yeah. anybody who couldn't answer this question, basically. I heard it as a cry for leadership. It was mm -hmm. a cry for somebody to step in that gap. And so I look at those two questions, who's going to lead us in prayer and what do we do about the kids? And I think the answer for those questions is the same. And how we answer this question makes all the difference in how we proceed in times of COVID. So to me, the answer to that is that they are looking for wisdom. Yeah. Those questions are searching wisdom. And we're living in another time, uh, just like David was back in the Old Testament, a time of turmoil, upheaval before Saul was gone. He's trying to establish his kingdom. And they all the tribes come together, but this one tribe has this identification on it. It's the only one that does, and it's the tribe of Issachar. They were told they understood the times, and they knew what to do. That's wisdom. That, yeah. They brought to David at that time great wisdom. I think that we have a tribe of Issachar, actually. Okay. There is a tribe of Issachar who, more than anybody else, will understand these times. They get that question, what do we do about the kids? And they know what to do. And I'm going to suggest something kind of radical. <laughs> they won't teach this at seminary. You I usually know. do, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Today's uh, tribe of Issachar is in the children's wing. It's the leaders in the children's wing who Amen. understand the times and know what to do. And so why do I say that? You know, um, people think that those serving the children's wing don't even have as much wisdom as the choir, or the parking lot people. <laughs> We're working with kids, right? That's not true because at this time, we understand children are at risk in so many ways. We see the world through children's eyes. We see them through God's eyes. We, we know they are so essential. They're not just to be pushed off to the side and forgotten about during this time, which I'm sad to say some churches have done. Yeah. So we who love children understand that children's emotional and spiritual needs are intense right now. They need to see faith in action in times of crisis. And they can't do that when you've shoved them to the side because you thought the adult needs were so much more pressing. So um, they understand the times, this tribe of Issachar and the children's wings. I'm talking to you leaders. And also they know what to do. And so, you know, it's so interesting to me. I get these videos of churches doing amazingly creative things during this time. Absolutely. Uh, drive up, uh, because we do 
Bible memory in Awana, drive up memory recitation mm -hmm. stations where mom and dad drive up in the car. You know, people who've never used Zoom in their life all of a sudden are Zoom stars. Yes, know? with like it's, every device has a different Zoom that's rock, absolutely. connected to different accounts. I, I have yeah. seen such amazing creative things. Not only did they understand the times, but they knew to step it up and do something. They understood the times were dark yeah. and that when the world goes dark, the church should go bright. Mm -hmm. This is our shining season, Ross. This is when the church steps up and says, what's dark in our community and where can we help? Where have we got kids who don't have access to computers and they need it for school? You know, where do we have families falling apart and who's lost their jobs? Where can we step in and do something that will shine God into this darkness? This Amen. awful, awful darkness that we're going through. The whole, listen, the whole world is groaning. The world that, that where we put our feet on this planet itself is groaning we've never lived through times like this and so um i love these stories that come in that show the brightness of god's people and if you think for a moment that we have it terrible here in the states let me just adjust how you're thinking okay i want to share this about venezuela this comes from Unawana Missionary in Venezuela, and I'm going to read it. She said, the high cost of internet and phone service has been a limiting factor for our leaders to disciple children at home. Imagine living in a country where the internet and the phone was so expensive, you couldn't use it. Nobody can use it. Um, printing the resources is very expensive can't even run these things off in a machine. It's too expensive. That's the state of the economy in Venezuela. Then I love this next sentence. Instead of becoming discouraged, <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of the Issachar sound yep. happening, right? Absolutely. Instead of becoming discouraged, my team and I have been challenged to continue discipling our children in any way necessary. Amen. No cost too great if we can do it. Yep. <laughs> so um, this is what she said. Um, and I have taken on the task of making sure that each child receives the discipleship resources at their home every week. She's taking it to their homes. And for this reason, I myself transcribe the weekly resources. I actually look. Of what that word transcribed means, Ross. Because you're sure it's like that obviously doesn't mean. I must not have understood it. It means write out by hand. I myself, the leader, yeah, write out by hand the lessons and deliver it to each child. In this way, the children are able to continue studying the Bible. I tell you, she knows what's essential. Mm -hmm. She knows what is vital. She knows what God would put in the car at this time and what God would put in the car during a crisis when you have to get out and your life is being threatened, you put the essentials in the car. God would have children in this getaway scheme of protection. 
Amen. I'm, I'm absolutely, absolutely convinced of that. Absolutely. And so, so to the churches, I say, if your getaway scheme, <laughs> if your car, uh, vital things, isn't packed with children, we need to talk. Yeah. We need to talk. And let's just try to see if we can't together answer that question. What do we do about the kids? What do we, there is an answer. Yeah. And the church has an answer. We just have to be courageous and creative, not lazy, not afraid, mm -hmm. and ready to shine, shine, shine. Absolutely. Do what we can, do something. Uh, yeah, so that's exactly what I think stands out to me about that. There's so much great stuff there because I think if you are someone who is, has made the decision that children's ministry can wait, then that story should be convicting to you that you, we need to do something. That you can't ignore the kids. You can't ignore the kids that are in the in the context of your church. But I'm I'm hoping you can also speak to the person who is listening to this, who's the overseeing pastor, the executive pastor of the children's wing, who you have now just labeled as part of the tribe of Issachar. How can that be empowering to folks without being overburdening? She obviously didn't think in February that she was going to be spending her time transcribing the messages. And I'm sure the folks who listen to this. They've already made decisions that are different than what they would have expected. They, are, they understood the times and they are trying to do what they can. But there's also this feeling that I, I think is pervasive of that it is not a, somehow not yet enough. And how, how can we show folks who are, as you've said, now part of the tribe of Issachar, that what they are doing is advancing the gospel? Yeah, I, I also... Uh, you know, I can take this tone of mother to the world and scold everybody, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I know is very uh, obnoxious and off-putting. Not at let all. Me, I think that, it's genuinely needed in a moment like this, Valerie, just, just so we're clear. Let me, also, let me also come alongside those who have decided to do something, those who have not given in to discouragement, and they wonder if it's enough. You know, they wonder if it's going to make any difference at all, and they're killing themselves. Yeah. Um, I remember as a child a situation where my mother had to sacrifice for me. It was a very obvious sacrifice. And as an adult woman, my mom's been gone 40 years. If I ever wonder if she loved me, I think back to that time of great sacrifice for me, and I know she loved me. Mm. She did bigger things. I mean, she did more everyday kinds of things to care for me. I think that is going to be what happens with this generation of kids. Mm. They're going to mm. look back at this time and see the sacrifice faith-filled adults made for them. And they're going to remember that the church loved them and valued them. Um, I personally think... That's how we're going to do what God's asking us to do, to raise up the greatest generation of disciples who know how to love, serve, follow Jesus, even in COVID times, even when things get rough. They know that faith is still essential, that God has not gone anywhere, and that they can work out their salvation. They can work out uh, how faith shines in the darkness because they'll remember what your WANA club did. 
drove by their house to make sure they had their lessons. Or when you stood by the church in the rain, I have seen these videos and listened to their verses. They're going to remember your sacrifices and they will become even greater as they mature into adults. That's beautiful. I think it's really important for people to understand that this community of loving, caring adults, like that, that does make a difference in a child's life. And that was true before the pandemic. It'll be true after, but it's especially true during. I want to ask you about. They didn't go away. They didn't go away during COVID either. They were <laughs> no, <still there. laughs> absolutely not. I want to ask you about the book Resilient a little bit more specifically because obviously it's it's started such a conversation. It's been you know it was written before the pandemic, but in many ways feels pretty prophetic to some of the conversations we're having now. And you introduce this idea in the in the book about the Church of 2050. And if someone's a new, a new listener to the podcast, it's just the idea that the, the church and culture of 2050 is right now in your children's ministry. And I'm curious, how has COVID both changed the conversation around the, around the church of 2050? And how has it not actually changed anything at all? We get caught up in the now. And how do we do now? <laughs> And uh, Resilient tried to lift people's eyes up to the future and call us to be great stewards of the future church by having resilient discipleship put into our children's lives now. So resilient discipleship looks at the culture. If you just want to do discipleship, you know, you can study the Bible in a sense. That's what we've often done. But resilient discipleship looks at the culture. What kind of things should we be teaching children now so that they can maneuver, uh, engage the culture, lead the church, influence the culture? So there's a cultural awareness to the raising of resilient disciples. And in this case, looking at the trends that are happening now, projecting into 2050 and going, probably they're going to need special help. Um, Because, you know, just a lot of, in 10 years, we've had so many things. Uh, I was reading since 2011, you know, we have the internet. We didn't have that back then. It's amazing. And, you know, that, has been wonderful in terms of uh, knowledge of the world and all kinds of things, but it also, also, also brought a tsunami of secular thought right into the palm of our kids' hands. Yeah. And now that's what they swim in. We need to be so culturally aware, almost like Issachar, you know, understanding the times yeah. and projecting yeah. into 2050, what are they going to need to be able to stand firm and yet uh, win favor? Um, so resilient, I think, although it was written before COVID, in such a strange way, it was like it was written for now. It was written for Christians in crisis. It was written for us who need uh, to be able to embrace our children with a love and faith that will they'll remember, just like I told you about my mom, they'll remember and find strength in their adult years when we're not here. Amen. That's resilient discipleship. Because I, I, I asked that to sort of bring it back to where we started this conversation about how you're doing and how Awan is doing. 
because what I've heard in your responses is not only the idea of just of just doing something, but that like Isabella, that Awana is doing what we are made to do. We are doing what we've been doing for 70 years. We are making disciples. We are about equipping local leaders to make us. We exist to help make disciples. And that has always been true, even if the circumstances have changed. Because I also would hope that folks who feel like they are, they have to do everything apart from just relying on or remembering that, you know, God is the one actually at work and God is the one actually in control that do, going about the business of doing the things that you do, driving by the kid's house to make sure that they've memorized their scripture, holding out butterfly nets filled with candy for <laughs> Halloween for truck or, truck or treat so you don't stay with outside of six feet as I see people talking about, <laughs> right? Like those things count. They matter so deeply. And we're going to see the fruit of that for this entire generation. In a strange way, COVID will stick with them either super negatively or in these glorious memories of the craziness that our church families went through to show them that they mattered. Yeah. And uh, so I, I have a feeling they're going to be talking about their churches, a lot of these kids, when they're very old. <laughs> and they're going to be marked by it in a, a, a really beautiful way. Yeah, because to, to go back to something else that you said too, you know, we talk a lot, the book talks about loving, caring adults. We talk about that community a lot. For the person who feels like they're a men of Issachar and they don't necessarily know if they are, like they don't feel like that they're worthy of that title. I hope that what they hear from you is that you are because you are loving those kids in your community. You are doing the things for your kids. I think about, you said this about how people describe the pandemic through the eyes of kids. All of my favorite people to talk about the pandemic that way. When I ask someone, <laughs> how are you doing? They immediately start talking about their kids. And those mm -hmm. are my favorite people because that's how I try to talk about the pandemic too. Mm -hmm. so. I think that's probably one of the symptoms, one of the signs of being a part of the tribe of Issachar, that you're yeah. looking at this pandemic through the uh, experience of children. You know, when we built out this discipleship model, there were three legs on the discipleships, uh, resilient discipleship model. And this first leg was belong. All that means is that there are so many other groups and philosophies that want our kids. Mm -hmm. And the, the most primary thing we can do if we don't do anything else is figure out during COVID a way to make sure these kids know they belong to this group and that they are loved, hopefully they'll see how faith works. Hopefully they'll see outrageous faith during this time. And I don't mean defiant to the government in that way. I mean outrageous faith that um, steps out into the neighborhood and reaches out and helps. Outrageous faith that says, what can we do for this community of children? Do they all have internet access? Do they need tutoring? Are there ways that we can come in besides parents who have gone solo for many months now and help out? I hope to see a rise of tremendous creativity from this church uh, that has gone bright during this dark time. 
And when we do Ross, let me just say, Awana is going to be the first there. Whether you're in Awana church or not, we're going to be the first ones applauding you because you're doing it right. You've got the mission. You've got it right. Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.